Hey everybody, this is John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, at long last, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. I have a feeling we'll have plenty of riddles to pick apart today. (laughs) On this episode, we discuss the classic comic strip, Calvin and Hobbes, the first time I think we've ever had a comic strip as the discussion topic. Let's bring mom in now. Hi, mom. Hi, Johnny. How are you? I'm good. It was nice having you here. You know, every time every time you uh, come out, uh, we say, oh, we'll do a podcast in person. But the truth is, it's more of a pain in the ass to set up two people in the same room than it is to do our little uh, squad cast thing here. So um, I we did not uh, get around to it. Plus, we had nothing to talk about, um, although Calvin and Hobbes is a good topic that you it, came it up It really with. is a good topic. Did you have a good visit, Mom, even I though had, we didn't podcast? I had the greatest visit. It was so oh, much good. fun. I can't tell you how amusing it is for me one night, you and Anna went out. We threw away. We had Wendy's for dinner, uh, <laughs> which was really received uh, differently by each child. Eve wasn't so much interested. I think she was tired. But anyway, Leo went in the uh, toy box and got out a foam dice, a foam dice, which said... Eve on a, that's not yours. You have to ask me if you touch that. Leo, put that back. You didn't ask me. Um, And he, of course, has magic ears that that I think he can pull back into his head because he had absolutely no reaction at all to (laughs) her. He turns her right out. Yeah. Couldn't hear a thing. But anyway, it merged into this game that we played for about 25 minutes it consisted of them taking turns, throwing the dice in the air, and all of us yelling what we thought oh the dice yeah. would land. I know this game. It it would never end if you didn't. Uh, they would do that forever. Well, you know, Guess I, the dice. I was such a willing participant because the joy. <laughs> I know. The joy when someone finally hit a number was it was like winning the Boston Marathon. It was just so well received. It was really hard to stop playing this game. <laughs> very, very funny. Uh, and they are very funny. Uh, I watched uh, the Easter cake being made. And uh oh. Yeah. It's, I don't watch that for yeah, a reason. Yeah. Good advice. Good advice. Um, Anna made a little bloop on the uh, recipe and added a little more of this and a little more of that so that we had one in a in a loaf pan and the traditional Easter lamb, which is shocking without the frosting. Yeah. It looks like a brick. Yeah. It just it it's terrifying, actually. Uh, And then she transforms it into this magical Lamb, fluffy. Enough frosting and shredded coconut can yes. make anything look delicious. I'm convinced. I'm convinced she could just bake a brick and decorate it with <laughs> coconut. But uh, so I ate mostly the loaf pan, which was not, um, 
It did not have a thousand fingers poked into it. Oh, you mean there was an additional, there was an extra like loaf cake made, yeah, from the extra. From the extra batter, yeah. That was very tasty, I thought. It was like the grown-ups table. Right, that's right. And uh, the the lamb cake uh, had enough fingers put on it to, it, it was like a centipede had frosted it. With all the licks and... It's a revolting uh, image. It is revolting. But you know what? Everybody's... Nobody got sick. Uh, Nobody got... That was one of the best things about this trip, is nobody (laughs) was or got sick. And I wasn't sure about myself at the get-go. I thought, oh, oh. no, am I going to ruin things? Because I was pretty run down when you first got here. But uh, I bounced back. Leo has uh, a little side of him that... I feel proud of uh, and not proud of. So I'm not really sure how to feel about this, but I was looking for a pink jelly bean. And um, <laughs> at night, the orange and pink looks pretty similar, but he reached into the to the bowl and and scooped up the last pink jelly bean. And, and gave it to you and said, and here you go, it, popped Grammy. it in his mouth fast as he could remember the time that he that he you were in the midst of asking him to share a banana with eve and he shoved the whole thing in his mouth a whole banana no i don't remember that happening one time i guess i'll put it that way but yeah it's <laughs> oh, something well, i could picture happening absolutely it was pretty impressive a whole banana was gone in eh, three seconds so anyway, he took the last pink banana, uh, jelly bean, and I said, all right, the one that's the, on the nose is mine tomorrow. That is mine. The pink jelly bean that is the lamb's nose on right. the cake. You're telling uh, my first grader's son, hands off that jelly bean. Right. Because okay. he took the one that was in the bowl. And I kept saying to him, you knew I wanted that. And he just kept laughing. It, yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> little little sadistic. But at the same time, I was pretty proud of him because that's that's how the Morkums do things, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the next day when I, when, after the cutting of the cake, I ate the pink jelly bean. And he came back to the table and said, hey, where's the nose? Yeah, I remember that. He was looking for it. He was pissed. I said, I told you I was going to eat it. But that was great fun. That was great fun. I think it's a wonderful tradition that your family has. Um, Making the Easter cake with the kids. Yes, definitely a highlight of the trip, I have to say. Good. Yeah. Um, My low light was hearing about this stupid watch. (laughs) It is not a stupid watch. But this story really does have such a happy ending, I think. And so I I For do. You. I Well, yeah. Well, but you didn't care about it at all. No, but I had to hear about it all week. Gee, well, I and I, and I never, it. I never believed. Well, anyway, just tell the story. All right. I can... So going through TSA in Manchester, where they really are lovely, lovely people, really lovely. Um, Manchester, New Hampshire. Manchester, you're not, and you're not being sarcastic when you say. Oh no, right? no, 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 yeah. no. But okay. I had put a watch in a my in my pouch of my backpack, and mm-hmm. when I came through TSA, which always makes me a little 
edgy. Uh, my watch was gone. But there was some complications with my flight, so I didn't go back to address it, but it niggled at me. And of course, it just grew and grew and grew, and there was much confusion over was the flight going, not going, change flights. It was a long day. So I was really upset about it when I got to Johnny's house. There had been annoying people on my flight. It was, I was just, and I can be very obsessive. So I did talk about TSA stealing my watch until yeah. Johnny really helped me write a letter. And uh, then you get a, a note that says, call TSA, um, which I did. And they, the guy answered the phone and he says, operations. <laughs> and I'm saying, hello? And this is as loud as he talks. So I'm telling him my dilemma. And he says, uh, hold on. Nothing's been turned in. All right. Now I'm really trying to let it go. I get back to Manchester. He's said, like, there's nothing in the lost and found. Right. End of story. Right. Yeah. So I And I go to the lost and found when I get off my flight coming home. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Yeah. And he's in a room about the size of our, a little bit bigger than our downstairs bathroom, with gadgets and gadgets on the wall and small room, yeah. And uh, he's he uh, takes a phone call while I'm waiting to talk about sub sandwiches with a friend, and you know I'm mm. already irritated. Could you not just... just sandwiches, but specifically submarine sandwiches? Right. And what were they? What was they were talking about Subway, getting sandwiches. Uh -huh. from... What they were going to get, and what yes. kind of sandwich did he want? Uh, I didn't. I couldn't really hear because, of course, you know, as I told you, his voice is very low, and he. Well, you knew like... what restaurant he was going to. Yeah. Did he want a you know chicken club or? A... Couldn't hear. Roasted turkey. This was confidential. Okay, roast beef. S <laughs> He gives me the name. He gives me the number for TSA to call when I get home. So he appeared. I don't know what he is, but some <laughs> some kind of you know. I don't know. He's a, he's a middleman. Yeah. yeah. He's he's set up this little niche in the bureaucracy. Nobody even knows he's in there. Right. He doesn't know where the items come from. Even they just show up. That's right. Good. That's right. So we drive home. Daddy and I drive home. And I should have known, I really should have known, because you and he have this trait, um, and you both have so many lovely, lovely, mm -hmm. wonderful, good, intelligent qualities about you, but you are not good lookers. And, uh, and I, he had looked for the watch on your behalf. He had looked for the watch. Every, let me look and see if it's at home yeah. or whatever, right? Before you panic about it, let me right. see if I can find it. Of right. course. And he'd done that. He had done that. So that's why I knew it wasn't at home. Right. I knew that the TSA agent had given it to his that's, girlfriend. Don't let it. For Easter. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, and uh, can I just say, though, it is a, a rather expensive watch. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's not just your drugstore Timex right. that you're. Yeah. That's right. Okay. I say, just indulge me, because now I don't want to insult Daddy. Let me just reach under the seat and 
lo and behold, I pull out my watch. In the car. In the car. In the, under the car seat after your home. Right. Did he look in the car? He did. But he didn't find it under he the seat. He didn't find there. it. Boy, it is so intricate, and it's easy to lose something under there. Um, although I guess it only took you a second to find yes. it. Yes. And so all this I know, and, and now I'll tell my part of the story, which is that mom has found a different reason to rant and rave about this watch every day, and I just don't think anybody stole it, you know? Um, it's one of those situations where all the evidence is, well, I wouldn't have done this, and I definitely would have put it, and boy, when all of the evidence for the theft is in the subjunctive tense, I just get a little suspicious that any actual larceny has taken place, but... Like mom said, I did, you know, help her get in touch with the TSA and they looked and they didn't find anything. I had helped you write a yes. nasty letter. And so, then once you found it, I felt extra bad about it. And I said, you'd better get back in touch with that airport and tell them you found it because uh, you were out for blood when you th uh, were yes, convinced I was. it was stolen. Yeah. So I wrote a very sincere, you know, I said, I'm I wrote a letter complaining and uh, suggesting that someone might have taken this. And I, I, <laughs> I really, I offer a very heartfelt apology um, to everyone. And, uh, you know, and I'm very sorry. And it was a short paragraph, but it, but it was very sincere. All it needed to be, yeah. Right. So I hear back from... At this oh. point, who knows? That says, yeah, yeah. we understand uh, travel is stressful um, and things disappear. We're so happy you found your watch. Thank you for letting us know. Great. Good. I feel better. The next day, I get a letter <laughs> from the head of security that says, thank you for your letter. I'm going to take this upstairs and show it to all the TSA agents because they must get accused all the yeah, time, right? Yeah, of course. Um, he sent you an actual letter or an email? An email. An email. But I never expected to hear from someone else. So head of security now has sent me a letter that says, thank you so much for reaching out and... Um, uh, this means a lot to us, and I bet it does. I bet. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, I hated to be one of those people. Uh, good. Uh, and you found your watch, so happy ending for everyone. For and everyone. all it took was my week being ruined with constant complaining. So, uh, what a small price to pay for a happy ending <laughs> for you. <laughs> you're you're so full of crap. <laughs> It's not like I talked about it incessantly. It was close to it. Every time I got home, it would be a new... Oh, every time I saw you again, there would be a new chapter. No, that is not the watch angst. I disagree. Alert, alert. The watch has not been located. <laughs> okay. All right, I just... This quickly... Hold on, hold on. I got to read this first. Uh <laughs> Hey, uh, this episode of Pop Mom is brought to you by Subway. Why not enjoy a Subway sandwich today like the uh, foot long? Uh, so visit your Subway sandwich dealer today. Is your sandwich dealer? That copy is. Uh, yeah, hmm. I have to some edit this in advance tweaking. next time. Sandwich dealer. 
Very, uh, very bad. Very bad. Uh, what else did you want to say, Mom? I do want to say. I do want to say to American Airlines that <laughs> sitting in row Jesus eight Christ. is such a privilege that I do hate it when you take down the mesh curtain that you can see right through, and watch you oh prefer prefer snacks in a basket. No name snacks in a basket. Not once, but twice. To these people that paid a million dollars to sit in a seat where they can actually inhale and exhale. Really, that curtain is is so stupid. You, as a member of Coach, wanted to be separated by the curtain or did not? Did no, I think make... it's stupid. Um, I understand these people paid a premium for that seat. What do you have to put? You can see right through the curtain. Yeah, but they don't want to have to think about you. Like, it's so that the people at first class can just pretend the airplane ends there and they're on their they, own private they, plane. They don't even face, they don't even know the people in the seats. It's really yeah, just Yeah, thanks that. to that curtain. <laughs> I just think. Yeah, it's like they're on a Gulf Stream or something when they're ridiculous. When they pull that curtain back. It's, I think the only purpose of that is to make people in coach feel bad. I don't know what other purpose it could serve. Well, it's so that everybody, coach and first class, knows that the people in coach are scum. Yeah. <laughs> That's a perk for the people in first class and an important reminder for the people in coach. Don't act up. Well, Although I, I think, guess I shouldn't joke about that because I guess people are acting up a lot more than they used yes, to on the airplane. Yes, probably, probably, especially the people that I sat next to that sniffed incessantly <laughs> for two hours on the. They sniffed, yeah. So I, I, um, be like a man possessed, cleaned the house from top to bottom. Oh, was and inspired it was beautiful. to clean the house from top to bottom while. Um, Anna and the kids were out of town for spring break. Anna took the kids to see her folks in Oklahoma. And just halfway through the week, I was like, when am I going to get an opportunity like this to put everything right? So I did, and it did take me like three days to do it. Um, but the house is like perfect when mom comes in. It was Her Mom beautiful. starts in about this watch, and she's talking about, where is this watch? I'm going to take a look for it right now. <laughs> she sits down on the couch, and I swear to God, and packs everything in this giant bag. Two bags have just like now exploded all over my coffee table and coach, and I, I, I and I'm listening to mom rant and rave about the watch, and at a certain point, I did say to mom, like, you must clean this up or I am going to lose it. Like it was, I've never seen a more real life pig pen uh, situation. <laughs> Speaking of comic strips, like you were pig pen in that moment. And I just like, oh, the last three days of work were just melting before my very eyes. But uh, you were very tidy. Did you like the workspace day bed? For you to loved put all your it. stuff oh on. Oh my god, I yeah, absolutely I loved like it. That. Mom never... had a bed for sleep, and then a bed for just putting crap on in the guest room, and I think that worked out well. Oh, it was great. It was so great. <laughs> it was just so great. Um, should we talk about the comics, Mom? Yes, we should. Okay, this week we're talking about Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin and Hobbes debuted in November of 1985 in just 35 newspapers. Within a few years, it would be one of the most widely read comic strips in America at the tail end of an era in which that really meant something. 
Featuring a six-year-old boy and his stuffed tiger Hobbs, creator Bill Watterson drew the strip for ten years, with the occasional hiatus until the last one ran in December 1995, bringing the strip to a conclusion that practically everyone but Watterson considered premature. I don't have a clip of Calvin and Hobbes, so you'll just have to read it online. I bet a lot of you have books of Calvin and Hobbes banging around somewhere. Yeah. Um, Mom, why did you make Calvin and Hobbes our topic this week? I picked it because I have found I get a lot of satisfaction out of reading these comics right now. I enjoy the combination of reality and childhood fantasy. I think it's uh, an, an important component for me personally right now where I feel there's so much turmoil in the world. And this is not sugary, sappy. It's still, it deals with things in the world uh, in the most amusing way possible <laughs> watching calvin interact with his teacher um i love how miss wormwood miss wormwood she appears sometimes first as a dinosaur <laughs> you know that he's or fighting a with space a dinosaur alien. yeah yes and and then it turns out to be this grandmotherly type teacher um it gives me a little zing in the day when I pick it up, and I I really enjoy that. I am finding it, for my mental health even, really good. Calvin has an amazing vocabulary. He has this really uh, highly literate way of commenting on the world, and yet um, he is a six-year-old, and uh, I think that the you know, perhaps the core conceit of the comic in which Hobbes appears as a stuffed animal when there's other people in the room and appears as a quote-unquote real but cartoony tiger um, when it's just him and Calvin. There's no canon as to what is the deal there. There's no canon as to like, oh, it's Calvin's imagination or Hobbes is a magical being. Um, it's just that the uh, line between fantasy and reality is indistinct. Uh, same thing with the examples you talked about, where sometimes we see um, his classroom activities through the eyes of uh, Spaceman Spiff, uh, you know, sort of a classic uh, serial film era uh, space hero, or uh, through the world of dinosaurs or whatever. Um, the comic very purposefully bounces back and forth across that line to the point that it seems like there's not really a line there. And I think that's very true to the world experience of a six-year-old, where that line is not so distinct. Um, so it manages to have this, yeah, very, not very, but like grown-up commentary and talking about uh, the realities of human life in ways that um, can be insightful and inspiring. And yet you never... To me, you never really disbelieve that Calvin's a little kid. Right, right. And I think that's the charm of it. Um, I think it gives the reader a lot of uh, credit in that its charm is in those vagaries, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, in that vagueness, yeah. you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And this, uh, they run a couple of strips every day on 
Facebook, um, where people comment stupidly. I think that people comment, uh, "Oh, the, you know the." Calvin sure is mature for a six-year-old. He really blah, blah, blah. And I just think, you know, I, I don't read the comments too much anymore. But uh, just just ex just let it exist. Just let it be. Don't analyze it because everybody probably gets a little something different out of it. Some amusement. Oh, this is my grandson. Oh, I had a stuffed animal like that. I mean, I just think there's a lot of facets that you can... Uh, attach yourself to and enjoy and it is pure enjoyment it is pure enjoyment it is it is why i think what so many comic strips uh should aspire to although i do think it is a dying entity what with the what's going on with newspapers yeah um yeah, it's true. I mean, we get the Sunday Tribune, um, which I have mentioned before, I don't find to be the cleverest newspaper. Um, and they got, uh, what do they got? Four pages of comics, I think. Pretty skimpy section to begin with. And there's just not a lot of, oof, there's not a lot of quality in there. There's the old yeah. ones like Hagar the Horrible and whatever that's limping along. I feel like there's a thousand of those single panel ones like it's a Sunday comics. Don't give me one big panel with your um, uh, family circle. <laughs> family circus, you mean? I miss the family circus. circus. Yeah. I wish they still ran that in the in the paper. But it's just not. I like Doonesbury. Um, still, I think he still does a good job. There's a few uh, that I read it for, but the other one. I mean, I um, there were a couple this week. I feel like this always happens where I said to Anna, "Is uh, there's no joke here." Um, meanwhile, like can... the history of Calvin and Hobbes is that about halfway through, it was really, really popular, and Bill Watterson insisted that he wanted his Sunday strips to always be a half page, and that they could not be—the the typical format is for the first two panels, they can just lop those off. That's why so many of those Sunday comics begin with, like, a throwaway gag in the first two panels, and then get down to the meat of it. It's because those first two are designed to be discarded, and Bill Watterson— said at a certain point in his career, I treat this as an art form and I'm not going to do it that way. You run it as half a page or if it's not worth that space to you, you don't have to run it in your newspaper. Um, and it allowed him to be more expansive um, with the, the form and those Sundays uh, for the last couple of years just could be so lavish. And he, I, my understanding is that he kind of wore himself out, honestly, working so hard on them. But they hearken back to a golden age of newspaper comics where they would fill a page and they would be filled with color and detail um, in ways that were meant to be appreciated more than I feel like the throwaway comics of today. And it was not influential at all. Like Bill Watt, like no other comic strip maybe had the clout to do that or really had the artistic wherewithal to do that. Uh, you'd think maybe everyone else would start saying, I want a half page too, but that's not what happened. He was basically the last guy, the one guy and the last guy. And then he just vanished and he did vanish too. He's such a recluse. He left us with this. Well, it is quite a legacy to be left with um, and nothing to uh, shake a stick at because right. <clears throat> it, it has really withstood the, the, the sands of time. 
I think your children will enjoy this as much as I enjoyed it. And I think you so. enjoyed it. Yeah. Boy, I, th- I used to love those books and I still have them. I ended up with them and they're all dog-eared. I mean, I have the like bound set yeah. of all of them, um, but I do like the books more because they're floppy and they show that I used to read them over and over again. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, and maybe because he ended it while it was still great. And, you know, he said he didn't really have anything more to do with it. And looking at all the other comic strips that are in their zombie form in their 40th or 50th year, like, who are we to say that he was wrong? You know, 10 years of daily material is a lot. It's a lot of work. (laughs) Like, it's a lot of completed body of work is how I mean that. Yeah, Uh, I I totally agree with you. And I mean, look look at how many TV shows we've seen that that you kind of say give it up they leave? yeah, yeah. <laughs> back it yeah. in <laughs> totally well he didn't do that i mean he yeah. went out high which is what you always say somebody should do and you uh, it's hard to say that though because you're always clamoring for more 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 and but there isn't always more there just really isn't always more it's hard to know, though, and we, you know, we talk yeah. about it in the context of sports all the time, and I'm really against it whenever anyone tells, like, an old baseball player or whatever, like, hey, just retire, you know, because you're past your prime, you're not as good as you used to be, and I always think, like, this is what these people have done and been lauded for and paid handsomely for for all of their adult life, and yeah. if they... <clears throat> Some team is still willing to put them out there, and they're still willing willing to play. Then, God love them, go for it. Um, but at the same time, um, you know it's a little different because sports careers are so finite. There is a time to pack it in, and when? Yeah. How did he know? Um, is it because he held his work to such a high standard of quality that he had a, a sense for that? Maybe so. You know, I always uh, I'll tell you. A little story, you know, my father could tell some very interesting stories for three hours, Um, but he could also talk for another three hours and just bore you to tears. That's right, yeah. So, you know, where's the line? you would pass through that barrier without realizing it. Because, yeah, he had some engaging material, and then you would realize, oh, I've been totally bored for the last hour and a half. And right. he's going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. Yeah. He was a master of that. So it's hard to know where that line is, I think. <laughs> That's such a great parallel. That's funny. Yeah. When That's are you just pouring the tears out of the room? I guess it is only funny. Well, everybody has some old uncle or grandfather or whatever who will bend your ear. So everybody knows that. Yeah. When is it time to shut up? Uh, I mean, after a certain point in life, I think you just don't care anymore. And you'll talk as long as anyone will listen. That was certainly Boo's philosophy. Uh, Mom, it feels a little uh, strange to give. Uh, Boo was my grandfather, who we were just talking about, by the way. And that was his philosophy, wouldn't you say, Mom? If there's an oh, ear, yeah. he will Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Um, are we going to give a grade to Calvin and Hobbes, or is it just an oh, A, I obviously? Think, well, it's an all-time A. Let's give it a, a. big gold star. Gold let's star, give it a good. Solid gold. <laughs> I don't know how the Pop Mom record keepers are going to put that down, but I like yeah, a gold well, star. They'll figure it out. Do you have a recommendation this week, Mom? Uh, I do have a recommendation. This is not going to appeal to everyone. It's a Ooh. show called Beef. 
B-E-E-F, just like the meat on Netflix. Sounds delicious. And it's uh, it starts out uh, with uh, an instance of road rage. Oh, boy. And uh, commences on from there. It gets a little farcical at times, I think. Dad is enjoying it very much. Well, what is it? And what, uh, does the fight just continue to escalate? It's yes. Okay. Yes. Um, there's aspects of sex. There's violence. There's conniving. Um, but I will say it is entertaining. So <laughs> it isn't something I would give an A plus to, but it's certainly entertaining. So for that reason, I'm going to recommend that. Now, when I asked you why we didn't just um, do this four-hour review this time, you said you thought I would not like it, and why? I don't not think that so. we sometimes do stuff that one of the other of us we think might not like. Yeah. But um, why do you think I wouldn't have enjoyed it? I just think it's a little uh, ridiculous. Okay. It gets a little ridiculous. It's like, ooh, this looks really good, quality, quality, and then it sort of gets a little stupid, hmm. but okay. engaging. Well, there you go. It starts out quality and then gets stupid. That's beef on Netflix, Mom's recommendation <laughs> this week. And that'll do it for this edition of Pop Bomb. Pop Bomb. Oh, dropping a pop bomb. Pop mom, <laughs> dropping a pop bomb. We got a new theme song. That's all. That's all the pop bombs we got to drop on this edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back soon to talk about more. I know it took us a long time. I kept it thinking, did. oh, we're going to record during that visit, and that we didn't. That happens every single time you come out here. But we will be back soon to talk about more pop culture. Oh, what should we talk about, though? Um, and now... Now I know. That you don't have I know. A watch to complain about what? Let's talk about something interesting oh, next that'll time. That'll save us. All right. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends, of course. Uh, and we love to get email. It's popmom at ological.net. Drop your pop bombs on us. Talk to us about <laughs> anything. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you too. So long!